0: Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law.
1: Good day, and welcome to Selwyn's Law. I'm Selwyn Whitehead, a California bar-admitted attorney, and I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I also hold two master's degrees of law, one as a master of the laws of taxation law and the other as a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. I have those degrees because I have uh, an interest in numbers and accounting, and I also um, have a background in engineering. And as such, because of my training and interests, I practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trust real estate and taxation law. I also do some intellectual property law around the area of copyright, trademarks, and trade dress. I'm so pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial issues confronting families and small business owners. I must again point out to you that this show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show serves strictly as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and also to provide you with an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out qualified professional advice. So for the last several weeks, I have attempted to give you a good grounding in bankruptcy law. But I have to tell you that I believe that bankruptcy is so complex and layered, uh, I don't believe that anyone should try this matter. Uh, on their own. So I've tried to give you a public policy foundation and give you an overview of the subject matter and the role of the key players. So again, I have to tell you that if you're a consumer or a small business owner in financial distress, please seek out competent counsel to assist you, lest you find yourself the only person in a gunfight with a butter knife. That being said, I've received a lot of excellent questions from you out there in Radio Land, and I will endeavor to respond to all of the questions in the coming weeks. But today, I wanted to open a discussion about tax law and the Tax Cuts and Job Acts of 2017 uh, that was implemented just a little over a year ago today. And most of the provisions take effect this year 2018, as we all are preparing to prepare our 2018 tax returns that are due uh, April 15, 2019. And some of you have been wondering is there anything that I could do in the one remaining business day of 2018 that can help me prepare for my uh, upcoming tax return? So with the help of one of my tax professionals, who's someone who assists me in helping my clients, Dennis M. Middleton, CPA, we put together an overview of some of the things that you can do by midnight, December 31st, 2018. But first, I wanted to give you a, a little bit of grounding on what goodies this new tax law, that is to say the Tax Cuts and Jog Act, did away with beginning this tax year, 2018. And here's some of the key repeals that you need to keep in mind if you're an an individual or a family or a small business owner. The Tax Cuts and Job Act did away with deductions for personal casualty losses. And this has key implications because, as you know, 2018 was a terrible year for disasters. Out here on the West Coast, we had fires and floods to some extent. Uh, down south, there were hurricanes and floods uh, uh, to some extent. So you have to know that under the prior law, an individual could claim an itemized deduction for personal casualty losses. A casualty loss is a loss that are not connected with a trade or business or entered into for profit, and they include property losses that are arising from fires, storms, shipwrecks, or other casualties, or if someone breaks into your house and steals everything. So as you can see, the firestorms and the floods would come under this category. So uh, they they were done away with. under the provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, the deductions for personal casualty losses generally have been repealed. The provision takes effect for the tax year beginning after 2017, which is 2018, which is this year that's coming to an end, which we have to prepare our taxes for and, pay the, and, and hopefully pay them, but definitely file a tax return by April 15 of 2019. Uh, the deductions for personal casualty loss associated with special disaster relief legislation would not be affected. So, that would mean that if the state of California passed some legislation concerning the fires this year, or if the folks down in the state of Florida did so, then it would be excluded. Maybe. That's because this law, the Tax Cuts and Job Act, was passed. On December 22nd, 2017, so it might just be that if the matter was challenged in a court, it might just be that this tax act would preempt state legislation. So I'm just putting that out there for you. You need to, this is an instance where people need to talk to their state legislature and if you were affected by the floods um, or the firestorms to see if there's anything that the state of California or the state of Florida could do. Also, there was a repeal for tax preparation expenses. Under the former law, an individual could claim an itemized deduction for tax preparation expenses. That would be everything from your favorite tax preparation software that costs $100 or so or more up to visiting your friendly neighborhood CPA. Under the provisions of this new law, an individual will be allowed to itemize deduction for tax preparation, but there will be some issues that you need to address with your CPA. The provisions would affect tax years beginning after 2017, which is 2018, which is now. There's also been a repeal of the medical expense deduction under the former law, a taxpayer could claim an itemized deduction for out-of-pocket medical expenses for the taxpayer, his or her spouse, or his or her dependent. This deduction was allowed only to the extent expenses exceeded 10 percent of the taxpayer's adjusted gross income. Under the new provision, the itemized deduction for medical expenses would be repealed. The provision Would take effect beginning 2018. And here's here's one for you out there. Under the formal law, alimony payments generally were an above the line deduction for the payer and included in the income for the payee. However, alimony payments would not, were not deductible by the payer or included in the income of the payee if designated as such in the divorce decree or the separation agreement. So under the new law, alimony payments would not be deductible by the payer or included in the income of the payee. This provision would be effective for any divorce decree or separation agreement executed after 2017 or modified after 2017, and any such instrument that already exists. So what does this mean in layperson's language? I think you understand, but let me spell it out to you. The provision eliminates what is effectively a divorce subsidy under the previous law in that a divorced couple often can achieve better tax results for the payment between them than a married couple could. The provision recognized the provision of spousal support as a consequence of divorce or separation should have the same tra- tax treatment as the provisions of spousal support within the context of a married couple, as well as the provision of child support. What this means is the person making the most income usually had to make a contribution to the person not making as much income. In many cases, it was the husband who was making a contribution to his former spouse. And it, was a, it, it helped the person with more income because that person could take a deduction while the person making less income would have to pay taxes, but generally on smaller income. And so in effect, the government was assisting divorced couples in spreading the wealth without having a tax consequence that was uh, undealable. Undeal- so that went away. Also went away is moving expenses uh, that used to be one for people like um, who, who traveled a lot and got transferred in their business. It also repealed medical savings accounts deductions, and most dishearteningly, the expenses attributed to businesses or profession. Generally, a taxpayer could, could, could deduct his trade or business expenses, regardless of whether or not he or she itemized deductions. Under the new provisions, taxpayers will not be allowed to itemize these deductions. So I just wanted to point out why it's important to do whatever you can do in these last few hours of 2018 to try to figure out how you can save from paying more taxes in as much as our government out of the goodness of its heart, decided to do away with many of these long-term deduction benefits. But before I get into those specifics, we're going to take a short break.
0: Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. I'm going to continue our discussion of tax law and the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 that went into effect this year. I went over earlier all of the kind of draconian measures, I feel, that were taken out against the individual and the small business person. And quite frankly, I've done an analysis And these deductions for individuals and families and small business owners add up to billions of dollars in additional taxes. Little mom-and-pop business owners and individual families will have to pay. And it inures to the benefit of individuals, big businesses, uh, individuals with high net worth, and individuals with pass-through income. And those are subchapter S corporations, um, limited liability corporations, some professional liability corporations. Yet and still, I'm recording this show the last week of the year, and you're going to hear it on Saturday, December 28th. But there is still time for you to do some things by midnight Monday, December 31st, that may assist you, notwithstanding all the deductions you've lost. And again, uh, this program was uh, put together with the help of one of the CPAs that I frequently use to help my clients, and that is Dennis N. Middleton CPA. First off, again, the Federal Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was signed into law on December 22nd, 2017. And it created a new 20% qualified business income deduction under the Internal Revenue Code Section 199A. Again, that's 199A. So in effect, businesses that fit into the description, the qualification of a qualified and have qualified business income may be able to slice 20% of their tax liability off. Okay, you need to get in touch with your CPA this afternoon and figure out what you're going to do by Monday, the 31st. This deduction could be significant for home-based businesses and other businesses, be they large or small taxpayer will still be able to adjust their taxable income by December 31st to fit within certain phase-out levels to qualify for this deduction. And I urge you all to visit irs.gov. They have a wonderful website. And again, you want to look up Internal Revenue Code Section 199A if you have a small, especially if you have a small business and it's home-based. Because remember, under the old scenario, you were able to take substantial deductions for just about everything that was business-related. That's gone away. And in its place, supposedly to help the small business person, is this new 20% qualified business income deduction. So if you have a home-based business, this might be a way actually for you to get a better savings. But again, you have to have qualified business income. For example, I'm a lawyer, and there's a cap on how much a a lawyer can have as income before this 20% fades out. So, And for some reason, um, (laughs) our president and the Congress thought it was appropriate to make it such that lawyers and CPAs and other consulting uh, kinds of businesses – had to phase out. And it's around $150,000 a year. But there's ways around it. If you have multiple businesses, perhaps, you know, such as I'll give myself as an example. I'm a lawyer, but I also do media. And if there's a way for you to readily and non-evasively or legitimately split your income into two or more business ventures, you might be able to Uh, come in under the limit, and be able to take this 20% deduction. Again, I point you to the irs.gov website, and the code is 199A for the instructions. And in in case you're able to get through to your CPA (laughs) this afternoon or Monday, um, perhaps he or she can point you to some more specific information. To generally reduce taxable income or bring it down to the level to be and qualify for this qualified business deductions, taxpayers could also consider accelerating their 2019 charitable giving into the 2018 uh, tax period to reduce their taxable income. Accelerating deductions in a is a standard tactic used to reduce taxable income at year end. Again, businesses might be able to do this, but I've already told you individuals are going to have a problem with doing this. That's why you need to go to the website and check this out. If a taxpayer had a difficult financial year where the taxable income is low and itemized deductions may go underutilized, he or she could consider to convert a portion of their traditional IRA, that's individual retirement account, into a Roth IRA. If held long enough and not distributed before age 59 and a half, future withdrawals from the Roth IRA will be tax free. Any converted IRA is a taxable income event but not subject to the early pension withdrawal penalties if the taxpayer is under 59 and a half. The date of the conversion is the date into which the tax year must be reported for that taxable income. If a taxpayer wants to end the year uh, payment for deductible items to withstand scrutiny from the taxing authority, Uh, Mr. Middleton and I recommend that the taxpayer make sure that the payment is received by the recipient by December uh, 31st 2018. So that means you either express mail or federal express the payment for delivery on Monday by close of business December 31st 2018 or hand carry the payment for delivery or make the payment over the internet and get a receipt showing that it was paid in 2018. So, so what am I talking about? If you have a, an IRA or a Roth IRA with a uh, qualified bona fide entity, such as I'm going to use Charles Schwab for example, you need mostly they'll be open on Monday the 31st because it's not like Christmas Eve. It's not a, a federal holiday. If I was you, I'd boogie on down to the local office and write out a check, hand them the check, and get a receipt in hand. Taxpayers should look into their stock portfolio and consider whether selling stocks that have an unrealized loss to offset a gain that was realized through 2018. And this is very timely. As you know, last week was the worst week in the stock market. And if you sold some stock at a loss and you had a capital gain, say you sold some real estate, some income-producing property, at it, and it was a capital gain, you might want to see if you could bash those off against each other. Say you took a loss of, you know, $250,000 on your stock portfolio, and you had a gain on selling your uh, medical practice of $250,000, normally you'd have to pay taxes on the medical practice, but if you had the loss... It would be zeroed out. Again, these are usually things that you would talk about with your CPO, uh, a CPA. But I'm telling you, do a little bit of research, and if you can handle this by December 31st, by close of business, it might be able to help you. You also need to write down your odometer reading on any vehicles that you use in business. Uh, on on next Monday, because you're going to need that to uh, make some uh, business deductions that you might be able to do. But you need to have that odometer reading because you're going to have to sign a statement saying that you can back that up. And if you have to back it up, you need to have the documentation in case you get audited. Now, although one should be very careful and cautious in this particular area, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act also created something known as a qualified opportunity zones. There are multiple opportunity zones across across the country. And these are um, areas that uh, Congress thought were in need of private investment. And so what happened is local state government identified areas within their state that were designated as opportunity zones And these are areas such as uh, historically underserved communities or communities that lost out because of, you know, some kind of natural disaster. Anyway, they're in need of economic development. This might be an opportunity for individuals with cash to make an investment. A taxpayer who invests in a capital... One of those capital gains that I talked about earlier, if you invest the capital gain within 180 days of the transaction into a qualified opportunity zone, the federal tax on such a gain can be deferred or reduced uh, if the rules are met. On top of that, 100% of the appreciation of the investment may be excluded as well. So, but you have to keep the investment in at least 10 years to get 100% deduction. So again, um, these qualified opportunity zones are very, very complicated, and you need to talk to someone to get professional advice. However, the potential tax savings are quite significant. You know, I'm going to leave it right there for now. So till next time... I'm going to say take care and always stay on the right side of the law. And if you need to get in touch with me, please give me a call at area code 510-633-1276. Or you can email me. My email address is my name, Whitehead at yahoo.com. Or better yet, go on my website, selwynwhitehead.com, and check me out. And there's a way for you to get in touch with me there.